0: Why is God so angry? Isn't the Bible full of contradictions? How could God allow so and much evil? how can the how Bible can say the earth was created sh- in, oh, in six days? How can the Bible say the earth was created in six days? Well, I'm kind of remiss having to talk about this first thing on a Monday morning, but I really couldn't find any better illustration. Uh, for today's message, then Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady is is a quarterback in the NFL, and in the two thousand NFL draft, when when Brady was coming out of Michigan, um, he was kind of an unknown. Uh, people didn't think he was anything special, and it's really interesting. Actually, there's there's these famous pictures of him uh, in just these athletic shorts at the combine, getting measured and weighed, and Uh, He does not look anything like a professional athlete. Uh, And and the scouting reports on Brady are are really interesting. They say he has a poor build, he's skinny, he lacks great physical stature and strength, he gets knocked down easily. Um, No one thought he was impressive. Uh, In fact, uh, he wasn't drafted until the sixth round, and usually guys who are drafted in the sixth round are, are lucky to even make the team. Uh, there are six quarterbacks who were drafted before Brady, uh, who went on to have really pedestrian, if not non-existent, careers. Uh, and in that draft alone, there were seven offensive linemen, those are the big hogs, the big guys, who actually ran faster times uh, than Brady did. Uh, so he was slow and unimpressive, but, but he's gone on um, to win seven Super Bowls, which is shattering every other record. Uh, He's he's hands down the greatest quarterback, and it it, it pains me to talk about him because I'm not a big fan. Uh, But but he's he's the greatest quarterback, but but yet it's it's this amazing contrast when you look at uh, the scouting reports on him and that that no one in that process was able to measure his heart, his desire to win, his dedication um, to study, and and also the the quickness of decision-making and where to put the football Uh, really quickly, no one was able to measure those things. Um, And, you know, 20 some years later, and here he is still at the top of his game. He won the Super Bowl last year. Um, Last week, we were talking about King Saul, and and King Saul looked the part of a king. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. He he looked mighty. He looked strong. He looked impressive. He commanded respect. Um, But Saul lacked the character that God wanted in a king. His character was weak, he was impulsive, he was anxious, he was willing to compromise, uh, and and he became drunk with power as time went on in his reign. And so uh, God rejected Saul as king and gave him a chance. Uh, Saul kind of blew it. And so here we're going to see God wants uh, wants to anoint a new king. So we're in the text here this morning, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go and I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I provided for myself a king among his sons. So some time has passed. Saul uh, is failing as the Lord's king. He's relying on his own strength, his own impulsivity. uh, And he's becoming more and more of a force of oppression. So uh, Samuel was mourning. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you. And say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, it's a dangerous proposition to go and anoint a king when there is currently a king. Uh, and so God says, no, go to go to Bethlehem and offer a sacrifice. If anyone asks, that's what you're doing. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders in the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So the people are terrified. Um, so already you kind of see the oppressiveness of Saul's reign. The people are living in, in some kind of terror over the, the tyranny of Saul. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Eliab would have been uh, Jesse's oldest son. So David's oldest brother and he looked the part of a king and so Samuel naturally assumed the oldest this must be the king but the Lord said to Samuel do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart remember Saul had the outward appearance of a king and here God is doing something different Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel that's another son and he said neither has the Lord chosen this one Then Jesse made a Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him, uh, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So uh, this is David, and David isn't even of draft age. Uh, David is... Essentially, he's a preteen, uh, and he's he's watching the sheep. He's not even worthy; it seems to be called in uh, for the sacrifice. <laughs> and he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy and beautiful eyes, and was handsome. And the Lord said, "Arise, anoint him, for this is he." Uh, ruddy means sort of red in appearance. And so he spent his days watching sheep in the field. He was sunburned. Uh and, and and commentators are are, are sort of uh, a little bit divided as to what's going on and why he's described this way. But I think. Probably what's happening is he, he's not this sort of rugged, manly s- picture of strength. He's he's uh, he, he's sort of a, a handsome little boy. Uh, is basically the way that the text paints him. He's not he's not kingly. He's he's more of a poet than a warrior. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So the spirit comes upon David in the special uh, indwelling. Uh, It's also important, as we see through the Old Testament as we're going through, that David is also um, a a grandson, sort of a a descendant of Ruth and Boaz. So we see this story in in the history of Israel, uh, and David falls as part of this amazing story of a kinsman redeemer we talked about last week. Uh, David is in that same lineage. Um, We see that he's small, he's young, he's musical. Um, and his brothers really should have preceded him in, in honor, um, particularly the eldest. But God, time and time again in the Old Testament, chooses the younger. Uh, we saw it with, with Isaac. We saw it with Jacob. Uh, we see it with Joseph. Uh, that God continually chooses the younger, the weaker, the one that you don't necessarily expect. Um, it's interesting that that God allowed the people, and even the way the language talks about it, back in. Um, in chapter 8, uh, God says, go and, and make the people a king uh, for them. So Saul is the choice for them. And It's the king the people want. Uh, Saul is the kind of king the people want. But here, um, God's choice is for David, and it says, for myself. Go and anoint a king for myself. And so Saul is the choice of the people, but David is the choice of God and the people begin to see their mistake in that that wanting a king in strength and in power trusts his own ability and now God is saying no my wisdom is greater than your wisdom and I'm going to anoint for you the king that you actually need and and I mean it's there's there's humor in this as well that uh you know hey you've got this this young nation uh who who has just gone through a civil war a bloody, terrible civil war we saw at the end of Judges. There's enemies all around. They're they're held on by just sort of loose threads. Uh, They're oppressed all over. Uh, This is is an impossible task for a king. And there's also uh, a current existing tyrant in place. And so who makes the most sense to be the next king of these people? A preteen. A preteen shepherd who plays the harp. But God is looking not on the outward appearance of David, but he's looking at David's heart. A man after my own heart uh, is the way that that God sort of describes him. So what does this tell us about God's character? Well, first, it's it's pretty clear that God says he doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't look at the appearance. He's not impressed by how we appear, but it's what's in our heart that matters to him. And we see this repeated in the New Testament as well. Jesus says that, that... that it's, the out, it's not the outside of the cup that matters. It's the cleanliness of what's inside the cup. As Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he also calls the Pharisees, these people who are very impressive as religious leaders, he calls them whitewashed tombs. Right? They look nice and clean and painted on the outside, but inside they're full of death and, and, and decay. Jesus, you know, in terms of showing, showing what God prioritizes, he, he he looks at these Pharisees who are making grand offerings and gestures and look very important, and he says, no, that's not what God honors and delights in. What God delights in is, is that widow over there, that poor widow who put a penny in the offering plate in faith. And so we see here in David, the character of God is to look not at, at our outward appearance, our strength, our ability, how great we look to the world, but, but the strength of our character and, and our faith uh, the god and his purpose continues to use the unlikely uh, the, the classic cliche is that God does not call the qualified he qualifies the called that, it, that it's about where we start in the inside our faith our character our integrity um, you know you look at, at, at David and his inability his, his unwillingness to, to compromise early in his reign particularly. That God is looking at the heart. And he, he wants us to trust him and not ourselves. And, and that's what we really see in the contrast between Saul and David. So you've got Saul who, who, who's trusting in his own strength, his own wisdom. And he's got his own insecurities, but he just presses down harder. But, and then you have David. David simply trusts the Lord, even though there's not much to him. And you know what? We're going to see him facing Goliath later. And, and the thing that is rewarded is that David trusts the Lord. See, God wants us to trust Him and not ourselves, but but yet sometimes it comes down to what we want versus what we need. And, and what we want in situations where we feel weak is, is, or powerless or uh, insufficient, what we want is, is, is we want power. We want to feel like we're in control. We want to feel like we've got a plan, that there's proof, there's a guarantee, uh, and we want to be able to trust in those things. Uh, but God is going to lead us into those situations where actually what we really need what we want is control, we want power, but what we need is simply faith, the faith that trusts in God's strength. And, and and it's sort of, in some ways, the secret of what we see all through the Bible is that people who are successful in the kingdom are not people who are the most intelligent, people who are, are, are the savviest, people who are the best leaders, but it's the people who, who feel God's calling on their lives and they're willing to, to lean on his strength and, and trust in, in the spirit to move and the spirit to do what only it can do. We spend too much time, I think, waiting to feel like we have the strength and the ability. And instead, we need to trust him and trust his strength and step out in faith. And that's the kind of king that God is looking for, a king after his own heart. And I think that's the characters looking for us and us as well. Is are we willing to give God the space and through faith the, the ability to do what only God can do? and so as you look at those areas in your life those areas maybe where you feel like god is calling you into uh, pushing you towards perhaps it's its co-workers or family people that he wants you to reach out to to love to care for to perhaps to witness to um what do we do in those moments where we don't feel like we have what it takes do we simply wait and try and gather more knowledge more confidence and wait until we have all the answers and we have got a blueprint on how exactly this can work until we're guaranteed or do we step into those situations, trusting instead that, hey, it's not my strength and my intelligence, but rather I'm going to trust in God. And I, I know in my life, there's been conversations I've had that I've simply walked into in faith and, and you start talking and it, it's almost like you step outside of yourself and you go like, whoa, that was brilliant. Where did I come up with that? Um, and it's in those, those times when we actually surrender, when we, we give God the space to use his strength as we step out in faith that God actually can do pretty amazing things. And so are you willing, um, are you willing to step out in those insecurities, um, to walk by faith and not by sight? I think that's part of the example that we have here in God's choice of David as king, of what he's looking for in, in men and women of faith. Let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you that, uh, that your kingdom does not rely on our strength, our ability, our intelligence, our cunning, our leadership. But you're just looking for people who who will trust you in faith, who will surrender to you and give you the space to work. So God, help us to do that. Give us that faith. Show us the areas of opportunities where we feel insignificant, insufficient. And God, give us the faith to be able to trust you in those and simply walk by faith. Thank you that you go with us. In your name we pray. Amen. We have a great day. We'll see you again soon.